Hey everyone, it's the Lady J. Thanks so much for tuning in to I Never Told You What I Do for a Living. I really appreciate the fact that everyone was sharing and talking about the first episode with Courtney Rose. That was a lot of fun to record, so I'm really glad that everyone really enjoyed the conversation. And at least one person got a library card because of it, so that's pretty awesome. For episode two, I sit down with my friend Christine, who I've known for a long time, and she just happens to live here in D.C. and is professionally a vocalist. This conversation is a little different than the one that I had with Courtney. It still traces the trajectory of Christine's career from when she was in school to what she does now, but there's a little different twist on the perspective that she has on her career and how she came to be employed by the organization that she's employed by now. And you even get a little taste of her talents right at the end of the podcast. So hang in there for that. Just as a warning, there are some emergency vehicles in the background a couple of times in the podcast. I cut them out as best I could, but Christine made some amusing remarks about them. So I left that part in. So don't panic if you hear a fire truck. It's not you, it's me. If you would like to message me about said fire trucks or anything else that comes up about the podcast, you can message me on Twitter at the Lady J says. You can message me on Instagram at the Lady J Slays. And you can email me, the Lady J says at gmail.com. There'll be a little more chit chat for me at the end of the podcast, and I'll give you a taste of who I'm talking to next week. But for now, this is episode two of I Never Told You What I Do for a Living with Christine, the vocalist. So, Christine. Yes. What did you want to be when you grew up, when you were really little? Well. And you can answer this as seriously or unseriously as you want, because I've had some pretty wild other answers. The One of the first stories that I remember listening to where my mom and dad were talking about my active imagination, while all the kids wanted to play with Barbies and the dream houses and pretend to be pets like dogs mm-hmm. or the floor is lava, I would run around the house and say, wee, 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 I'm a fire truck. So mm. I think I wanted to be a fire truck. That was your first desire? I think desire? that was my first desire okay. until I realized that was an inanimate object. And yeah, as far as go big or go home, I don't think that that's necessarily doable. But Turns out you're not a transformer. Unfortunately. Yeah, that sucks. Ugh, such a dream though. Singer slash entertainer, I guess is the appropriate response. And what was your first, when was the first time you sang in front of people? Do you remember? That's Amore, two years old. Oh my god. Screaming at the top of my lungs. (laughs) To a boombox, and there is, I want to say, videographic evidence? And it's just me and my family. Yeah, that's Amore, two years old. Singing along. And so when you got to be school age, did that ever change? Did you ever think like, maybe I'll be something other than a singer? I did toy with the idea of, I always loved animals. So, you know, active imagination. I did toy with the idea of being a vet for a little while. But singer was always at the first and foremost, especially after getting the coveted solo in, uh, I think it was fourth grade, where I had to do my first big audition and I got the solo. And I still remember the song. And that was like, yep, yeah, this is it. This is what I want to do. So you and I met because of, well, the first time we were ever like in the same space was because of church choir. Yes. Did you ever have a solo in church choir? I did not. I never had a solo, but I was part of a group who sang in Via Tua Spiritu. Yes. And 
I was very upset that I was part of a group and that I didn't get to do it alone. But now that I'm older, I understand it was really for the best that I not <laughs> sang by myself. And then you sang, so you sang as part of church starting when you were like, it was when you were nine, right? Nine is fourth grade was I think when you could start. And then how long did you do that for? A couple of years at least. Two, three? Fire truck. Fire truck. <laughs> <laughs> so you sang in school too, right? Yes. Starting when? Fourth grade? Fourth grade choir. Yep. And then were you in choir every year after that? Yes, up until eighth grade. And then I was told that I had to choose between orchestra and chorus. Ah, yes. yes. I remember that. And so it was it was the, the rock or the hard place, right? Like, which, which music do you choose? And so in my mind, I went with, well, I can join clubs outside of the school day and get my kicks singing there. And so I decided to go with orchestra. But then ninth grade rolls around and I spent every lunch period in choir anyway. And everyone knew me anyway because of the drama club and select chorus and all of those things. And so it was able to work it out that in 10th grade I was in both. So when did you start doing after school theater? 7th grade. 7th grade? Maybe 8th grade. I don't remember the musical for 7th grade. So maybe 8th grade. I don't even remember us having musicals until we got to high school. Yeah. What was the first show that you were ever in in high school? Do you remember? Joseph <laughs> and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat. What did you do in that show? I was all sorts of extra fun things. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Sla- slave, uh, w- wife. Uh, Which is really interchangeable. Uh, in all, that show. All, all sorts of fun things that every little girl dreams of. Yeah. Dreams of being. So you were in orchestra, you were in choir, and you were in the school plays throughout all of high school? Yes. Did you do orchestra all the way to 12th grade? I dropped out in 12th grade because <laughs> because that was when they decided orchestra was going to be zero period. And I was like, nope, too early. Just no. No, thank you. When was the first time you ever got a leading role in a play or like a major when you weren't slave slash wife slash farm animal <laughs> well what's lead is that like last bow or well i just mean like when you were just one character hmm and you had a name paula kiss me kate that was 11th grade right yes. that was my senior year yes paula it was supposed to be a guy but in what show kiss me kate and it was and what's the song that you sang too darn hot and you sang it with me and so did our friend katie and, and so did michelle oh michelle covered for me because i got sick the last night of the show that's mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. and i was so mad and what show did you do your senior year into the woods and you played the witch i did indeed that's that's a leading mm-hmm. role you were good as the witch too it was fun as hell didn't your sister make you a t-shirt that said you should see my nectar yes yeah, yes a pink tank top <laughs> I think I still have that, which is actually like a fairly inappropriate. Oh, yes. (laughs) Very much so. So when did you start singing outside of school and church? What a great question. Because I'm like thinking I was part of the choir in another church group. So that's church. Mm -hmm. And then do you mean, I guess, professionally, like getting paid for it or outside of educational purposes or just for Basically anything outside of church and school that isn't like singing karaoke with your family like that's right yeah (laughs) dang it 
Oh, man. So much karaoke. Well, when was the first time you sang professionally? I did a wedding band gig in Connecticut, maybe junior year of college. But actually before that, now that I think about it, I did do a stint in Atlanta, Georgia. I I was like, there's no way she's skipping over this. I got per diem and I got put up in this like little one bedroom apartment and signed with a producer to record a demo and originally i think it was a craigslist ad they were looking for a girl group and i showed up to the audition and it was me and maybe two or three other girls but they were so impressed that they decided to just can the girl group idea and just market me as a solo artist and so i spent the entire summer in atlanta just laying down tracks because they had songwriters and the capability to just they already had all of that stuff Mm -hmm. so that it was just plug and play and so i got to work in a studio which was pretty wild how old were you then i was 18 turning 19 so it was in between freshman and sophomore year the summer of yep i remember that i i also very vividly remember the pictures that came back (laughs) from that too they did some wild things to your hair yes they did so did you at any point consider not continuing your education to pursue singing no whatever capacity never never not once was was that because of you did your parents tell you you should finish school well i remember cocky little christine of yesteryear trying to convince mom and dad that I didn't need college. I could just go into the city and make it. Who needs an education to sing, right? But people do it every day. But I know there was when I was actually in school, I never once questioned it. What did you major in in college? Musical theater. That was always going to be your major. Yes, I did consider vocal performance, but it just wasn't it just wasn't the the right fit. Do you remember what was different about the vocal performance major, what it was that you would have to do or what maybe it, you wouldn't be doing? Tons more piano, tons more theory, and it wouldn't be collaborative. It would be more you singing as a soloist. Me singing as a soloist, but also just legit, and that was never really my my strong suit. Mm-hmm. I think cuz a lot of people don't come across a true contralto, so they don't necessarily know what to do. What does contralto mean? Just super low voice. (laughs) Just a true, true low voice. Yeah, when my my freshman voice teacher was married to the head of the opera department, and he heard me sing for the first time, he was trying to convince me to switch majors to opera because he was so blown away by the fact that I had a true contralto sound. And for a split second, I was like, ooh, there's a niche that needs to be filled. Like, that's exciting to be be wanted that way. Mm -hmm. But again, I don't think the fit was necessarily right. Just because you have the ability to do something doesn't mean that that's the thing that's going to be satisfying for you. Sure. So you majored in musical theater in college. Mm -hmm. Did you do anything fun while you were in school? Any good shows? Any chance you did Kiss Me Kate a second time? I did. I sure did. And this time I got to play Bianca slash Lois Lane. Yeah. That was that's a awesome. part with a with a name, yes, bigger name, yes, and an accent. You were all. Let me see if I can remember this. You were also in Urinetown, yes, Cabaret, yes, but that was not all in the same year. Just no. listing shows and the Rocky Horror Show. Yes, were you in anything your freshman year? No, because that was before I was going to the same school as you. Yes, was I in anything? No, that was mostly student led productions. So Orcasis, 
I was in an orchestra's piece. That's the dance company. Yes. I keep forgetting that people who are listening to this don't, didn't go to didn't school Didn't go with to us. school with us. Sorry, guys. <laughs> Context is important. So you also, as a musical theater major, you had to study everything, right? You had to take acting classes and dance classes as well Movement as- Movement classes. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Did you like that stuff too? Did you ever think like, maybe I should just be an actor? Oh, I loved that stuff. Yeah. Oh my goodness. That was, that was the fun, fun bits. Yeah, no, I never, <laughs> I always thought of acting as my weakest link. I was like, oh, I can sing. That's my bread and butter. And acting and dancing are just over there. Just like <laughs> in the corner. Just You're a good dancer, though. You have good rhythm. I'm fine. <laughs> Don't oversell me. Okay. I can move, but. You like to dance. I love to dance. I love it, but you just don't love me back as much. No, but no. it's fine. It's cool. It's cool. Yeah. No. That was the fun bits, just being able to improve and work on improvement. So So you always loved to sing. You did it all the time when you were younger and you wanted to have a career as a singer. And at some point during your, I guess, high school career, you decided that theater was the way you were going to pursue that passion. So you majored in musical theater in college. Mm -hmm. At any point in college, did you think to yourself... Maybe musical theater is not what Mm. I want to be doing. Not once. Nope. Really? Yeah. I had no doubts whatsoever. You go all the way through school up to graduation and you sang the night before graduation. I remember that very clearly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. What was the theme? Because there was always a theme. Jazz and big band. Jazz and big band. That's right. You were already known as someone who was a jazz singer. I think, I think, yeah, that was sort of... That was sort of what what I leaned towards, and I think a lot of that had to do with the fact that I grew up watching Judy Garland and Frank Sinatra. It was it was in my camp, so listening to those standards and growing up with them, it mm-hmm. was already in my ear. Yeah, so it was very easy transition to go from rock pop belt to swing when you were taking because you still had to take voice classes Mm -hmm. when you were when you were in those classes did you incorporate a lot of that into what you were doing or did you just like have no choice and had to do everything had no choice had to do everything but as time went on and the longer I was in school, the more willing my voice teachers became to experiment. The first year, freshman year, was definitely, you had to work on, I think the criteria was an English art song, French, German, and Italian. So you had to do classical. Mm-hmm. But then once you hit sophomore year, it became more experimental. And so it was, I want to say maybe 75% what the teacher wanted, 25% something you bring in. But at that point, my freshman year voice teacher, who was a soprano, transferred out, moved to Florida. And then I got a new voice teacher sophomore year. And she became my voice teacher throughout the rest of my time at school. And she was also a soprano. And I just remember the both of them kind of being like, you know what? You're good. Just do what you just do what you do. (laughs) And at some points, it was just so frustrating because sometimes you need something to work on. You need feedback. And I don't know, that was that was always a really interesting dynamic. But luckily, I had an accompanist that was willing to give me plenty of feedback. (laughs) So So you graduated from school Mm -hmm. with a BFA in musical theater. Mm -hmm. And then what happened? Then I moved back home with my folks to work a bunch of dead-end jobs that would allow me to go into the city and take auditions as needed because I had a manager at that point and they would send me out 
on open calls and auditions. How did you get the manager? It was the same manager that I had senior year of high school. And because I moved so far away to SUNY Fredonia, I still had their contact information. And I had come close with a couple of auditions through them. So then, wait, let me ask you this question. When you had the manager when you were a senior in high school, were you going out on auditions then? Mm -hmm. So was there a chance that if you got an audition, you would be like, no school, I'm just going to go be on Broadway or whatever? Yes, absolutely. Or I would have applied to more schools in the city Mm -hmm. because that's something that I did not do. Oh, really? Yeah. So you come home, you're working a bunch of dead-end jobs that you're auditioning in the city. Yes, because I needed the flexibility to be able to say, I can't make my shift, I have to go do this. And so all of my paycheck would go towards a train ticket (laughs) that wasn't for auditions that would or would not pan out. And it was anything from regional tours to Coca-Cola auditions for advertisements on TV to musicals off, off, off Broadway. It was a wide array of things. What was that experience like? Besides exhausting. It it sounds exhausting. It was really daunting because on top of that, I was also doing just open calls for the fun of it. And by fun of it, I mean to try and get a job (laughs) (laughs) for the hunger of it. Yeah, it was a lot. I remember specifically there was one audition I had to do where I was sent in to read for a a part where the character, the only descriptor was that she was Chinese, she was 16, and she worked in a factory. And it was this whole monologue about just that. And the really annoying thing is that I'm the dark meat Asian, and they expected us to have an accent on top of it. And I was like, first of all, this is offensive for so many reasons. And there was this other character in, I don't even remember if it was a play or what, a one act, I can't recall, but there was this other character who was Latina, and she was really sassy and she had a lot of character and she grew up in New York and I related much more to that that character than the Chinese one that I was sent out for and so I showed up to the audition and asked to read for the other part and it was really cool because I was able to do so they allowed me to but at the same point it was almost a whole other version of appropriation like thinking back on it now Mm -hmm. it was just hard because it was a different time there wasn't a lot of diversity as there is now I want to say Mm -hmm. Like people are much more open-minded with parts not having to look a certain way or be a certain gender, but that's the nature of the game. So (laughs) what happened? So I got a message from one of my professors at school, the one that I worked with for that commencement Eve Pops concert, Mm -hmm. who was telling me about this job opportunity that is once in a lifetime and it comes up oh so rarely. And he just kept telling me that I would be a great fit for it. And he had guest artist with this group before, so that's how he knew of the job opening and as a vocalist or as a as a vocalist okay so i took a look and the criteria was to send in four songs and so me and my boyfriend at the time sat and recorded three songs just me and guitar and then the fourth one was a recording taken from that commencement eve pops concert with a full big band backing and i had to just send in the cd send in a headshot and send in a resume and just wait and see and that was two years after college i want to say and I got a call and they wanted me to come and audition. And so you went mm-hmm. and auditioned for it. Mm-hmm. And then what happened? And then uh, the uh, the earthquake where DC was the epicenter hit right before my callback. Wow. Yeah. And my phone was already dead and people were running around the building and they found me locked in a conference room. Not locked in a conference room, but just in a holding room waiting for my callback to begin. And the person running the auditions was like, what are you doing here? You need to come downstairs. It's not safe. And I was like, okay, because I just remember 
were sitting there trying to go over the lyrics for the second half and all of a sudden the room started shaking and I was like, oh, this is like a subway train, but I'm not on the subway, I'm in a building. And it was just chaos and madness. But it was cool because I got to talk to some of the instrumentalists that were in the band and it was a much more chill environment and they had to postpone the audition a month because of it. It sort of threw everything out of whack. So they postponed the audition mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and you went back. I went back and then I did not get it. It did not pan out the way that I wanted it to, which is fine. It's, it was a good learning experience. Then someone spoke to me about other opportunities within the organization and how they were still hiring for vocalist positions elsewhere. So I don't want to, we're, we're not going to go fully down this path, but I don't want to leave it quite this vague. It's with the military. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so I asked, are there positions available currently? They said, yes. I said, and it's for singing primarily. They said, yes. And I, at that point, my plan B was to, if I didn't get the job, I would, <laughs> I think it was move to the city and live like in friends and just sort of make do <laughs> or audition for cruise lines. And the fact that they we had... We knew people who did that, Absolutely. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought so. Yeah. But the fact that they, based on the audition that I went through and didn't get the job, they were willing to offer me this other position right then and there. Mm -hmm. I basically said, where do I sign? So then you had... That initial signing was for four years, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And where was the first place that you went... Well, the first place I went was boot camp. And then I went to Virginia, close to Norfolk, for A school mm -hmm. for about six months, where we just studied theory and marching and things like that. So all the shit you tried to get out of by not being a vocal major. Right. It just ended up coming back and <laughs> finding me again. Oh, my goodness. But then I got stationed in Japan. As a vocalist. As a vocalist. Yeah. With what kind of band? It was a 35 person unit that was a wind ensemble but then they broke up into subcategories where there was a jazz combo and there was a rock band contingent actually there were two rock bands um but the other rock band was a separate entity that traveled on other deployments we also had a brass band that i did not sing with but then also i would get sent on solo performances to do the national anthem in a variety of different languages, depending on where it was. So how, and you were in Japan for how long? Just shy of two years, a year and 10 months. Stationed in one place the whole time. Yep. But you got to see a lot of Asia in the process. Yep. And you always sang with that same group. Well, the first year, it wasn't even a year, it was maybe six months, eight months from January to August, my first year, I was with the one rock band that went on a separate deployment and it was an eight person group and we traveled we traveled all over asia like you said um we traveled by ship and it was really cool a really really cool way to see the world and get paid for it <laughs> <laughs> one of the first ports that we stopped at was in the philippines and that was my very first gig was a three-day weekend at like a mall of asia and we were playing with people from the embassy were hosting us and I just remember being so scared of messing up and I had just the worst case of stage fright. And so I, I sang that entire gig just completely frozen. There was just like no, there was nothing behind it. I was just, I was too nervous to make a mistake. So I just didn't put anything into it. 
Mm-hmm. And I just remember being so disappointed in myself after the fact and coming to the realization that everyone that's watching wants to be there. And if they don't like it, they can leave. No one wants to see a person fail. Everyone's everyone's there. And if they're having a good time, they're having a good time. If not, they're free to leave. And so having that moment, that realization was really awakening. And so the following day, luckily, I had a do-over. And that's kind of the beauty of live performances live concerts is that it's never the same show twice Mm -hmm. so i i got my second chance and i was jumping off the stage and running into the crowd and singing along with guest artists and it was it was really wild doing gangnam style back when it was really popular (laughs) oh my gosh that was it was a hoot so do you feel like you got to use things that you learned when you were in school yeah absolutely like studying performance as part of theater yeah. was still valuable yeah. to you. At any point when you were in Japan, did you think to yourself, my God, I've signed up for the military. What in the fuck was I thinking? <laughs> <laughs> I had the luxury of being Asian in Asia. <laughs> so fair. Whereas the people that I worked with, they were very much in culture shock. I did not have as big an adjustment because I grew up loving sushi and I knew what ramen was and I knew how to use chopsticks. And there was a base that had closed down in the Philippines and a lot of those workers got moved to Japan. So Mm -hmm. there was a large Filipino population. So when I took off my uniform, unlike the people that I worked with, oh, here's this white guy. Obviously he's in the military, look at his haircut. I got to just be another face in the crowd. People used to ask you for directions like in Japanese, right? In Japanese. Yeah. Yes. And it was usually other people in the military trying to ask me for directions in Japanese. And so they would be shocked when I would speak back in perfect English. I'm so sorry. I'm not from here. They'd be like, whoa, (laughs) your English is incredible. And I'm like, why? Thank you. People, especially in the service industry, would start trying to speak to me to try and assume that I was the translator. And then whoever I was with, who would end up primarily being a white dude, (laughs) they would rattle back in perfect Japanese or passable Japanese, at least. They studied the language and they were very into the culture and people would always be shocked. And I'd be like, yep, I'm with him. (laughs) I speak speak English, American English, and I'm with him. Yeah. (laughs) And that's all I got. That's all I got. How you're not in Japan now. No. How did that happen? I re-auditioned for that position that I did not get the first time. The earthquake position. The earthquake position. So what happened the first time? Did they fill it or not? No. They did not fill it. And then... And we have learned since then that they will take random vocalists from other places in order to fulfill a need. Yes. Temporarily. Temporarily, yes. Then they went through sequestration, which is where they simply had to put a hold. They they did not have the money available to Mm -hmm. hire the position, to fill the position, the vacancy. And so all command events had to cease outside of ceremonial support. So no concerts, no music in the schools, no no nothing. All operational duties had to stop because there simply wasn't money in the budget. Mm -hmm. And from what I understand, they did offer, they did another audition and they found someone, but ultimately it did not pan out. So they posted the job opening again, the vacancy, and I applied. And because I had gotten as far as I did the last time around, it had been long enough that they were like, yeah, we remember you, please come in. And so I went and... You had to go from Japan to to D.C. DC. Yes. And it was only for like a 
a four-day window. I flew in. I did the audition. Maybe it was only three days. Yeah, I think the first day I flew in, the second day I did the audition, the third day I flew out. Yeah, it was a really quick turnaround. Which is great because your body doesn't have enough time to get acclimated to the time zone, so you're just going back. Right. Yeah. It was six candidates, and I was the only one that was already in the military. So... That really threw a lot of people for a loop because they assumed that I was in the band because I was wearing the same uniform that a lot of the guys were. And they were like, oh, we thought that you were. And I was like, nope, I'm here just like you. We had to prepare maybe eight tunes, full tunes to sing with the band. And then it was a long day. It was maybe an eight hour, 10 hour day of just auditions. I was one of six and we did all of the tunes. We did all of them top to bottom. And then there was the second half was you had to sing another prepared piece and you had to do the national anthem without embellishments and you had to sight read if you got that far. And then the third portion is an interview where they just ask you questions and ask about your history and talk about your resume and your experience and why you think you'd be a good fit and if you had any questions, that was a great time to ask them. And you meet with the commanding officer and all of the people in charge, all of the chiefs in charge. And you just sit down and meet the different department heads and go from there. And the following day, I got the phone call that I had won the position. Like right before you were on a plane back to Japan. I think, yeah. Do you think it helped that you were already in the military? I don't think it hurt. I don't think it hurt. I don't know. Because we've we've definitely done many auditions since then. And they actually made it a new requirement that military personnel dress in civilian clothing. That was a newer rule. Um, so that civilians don't know that they're auditioning up against. Or so that the people that are auditioning oh. don't know that you are. Oh, oh, I see what you're saying. Because yeah, you they're... had to be in uniform so that the people who are auditioning you knew that you were already in the service. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's interesting. I didn't even think about it like that. Mm-hmm. And it's funny too, because a lot of the positions are blind, blind auditions, like for instrumentalists, for instance. But because the vocalist position is like primarily entertainer, it's one of the only positions where it's not blind. Because they have need to, to see how you yeah. perform, mm-hmm. literally perform. Exactly. So you go back to Japan and tell them, I got the job, I'm going back to the States. Well, and that was the thing too. I had to go through my chain of command and get the okay that I could audition for this position. And it got routed up the chain and my boss signed on the dotted line and he had let other people that I worked with go for similar opportunities. So he vouched for me and he it was it was really it was really good timing because there have been plenty of horror stories where sometimes they don't even let you audition Mm -hmm. because you know it's it's the needs of the military and that comes first the job comes first so i was very lucky that i had such a supportive boss how long was it before you were back the audition was in june and then i moved back september of that year And that was how, five years ago? Coming up on five, yep. So you've been doing this job for five years. Yep. Are you the youngest person in your band? Not anymore. Really? Mm Mm-hmm. Oh, you have you have an instrumentalist, mm-hmm. at least one, who's younger than you now, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, who's fairly newish. Yes. Although yeah. the joke was when I when I won the position was that I brought down the median age of the band by I think twenty years <laughs> was the joke because people they stay. It's a great it's a great job. It's a great gig and. The fact that we don't rotate is kind of incredible. Right, because it's permanent. You're just in D.C. And- yes, mm-hmm. for the majority of your, for the entire length of your career. And because otherwise, after how long would you have had to leave Japan? Well, and that's the other thing. So I auditioned for this position knowing that if I didn't 
win the job, my next duty station would have been Hawaii. So it was the opposite of a rock and a hard place. <laughs> it was I could either get the job I really wanted or I could go to paradise. Exactly. For two years. Yes. I mean, that would have been fine too. <laughs> and then fly again in another two years. Oh, man. So... What is your favorite part about your job? Well, wait a minute. We're leaving out a really, really important part. What kind of music does this band play? Big band and jazz. Yeah, America's music. So what's the best part of your job? It doesn't have to be the type of music. I just realized we left. We left (laughs) a big, a big major, major important. You always know what you're going to wear. Yes. (laughs) That is not a bad thing. No, that is not a bad thing at all. I really enjoy getting paid to travel. I mean, it's not the same Mm -hmm. as what I once did, but I am pretty close to having seen all 50 states at this point because of the fact that we go out on a national tour once a year Mm -hmm. and we break up the continental U.S. into five sections. And so last year we did Southeast and this year we're heading to the Northeast and I'm actually going to perform at our alma mater in SUNY Fredonia this year. Which is going to be wild because it'll be almost 10 years since we graduated. Yep. Mind-boggling. Yep. Yeah. What is a part about being a professional performer that's not so great? Like, does it is it ever not fun to sing when you're not working because you sing all the time? I know that I was really convinced. So you got married recently. Yes. And I was really convinced you were not going to sing at your wedding. People were even asking like, oh, Christine's in a sing, right? And I was like, she sings for her job. Would you want to do your job on your wedding day? No, that's ridiculous. Christine, did you sing at your wedding? You bet your sweet bippy I did. Because <laughs> I knew that that was the question on everyone's lips. I mean, literally not one week before the wedding, my sister Kay and my cousin Elizabeth and I are in a group text, and they both decided to barrage me with questions about, are you going to sing to Trent? That's not what they sound like, by the way, but that's just that's just what everyone sounds like in text. And I was like, what? And they were like, are you going to sing? I think it'd be super cute. <laughs> and I was just like, Elizabeth. They do sound like that, actually. <laughs> yes, they do. <laughs> I lied. Uh, and so I was like, Elizabeth, because she's also getting married this year, right? I was like, Elizabeth, are you going to take your fiance's blood pressure at your wedding because that's sort of what the equivalent is because she's a nurse. Yeah. And so (laughs) she was just like, it's not as cute though. (laughs) And I was like, oh man. So I knew that that was going to be like, so you had no intention of singing at your wedding. Of course I did. Oh, you did. I did. Yeah. I, I had worked with the band that we booked and they were killer and they were so good. Oh my God. They were so good. Best. Yeah. Probably the best wedding band I think. Yes. I've ever. So good. But they had given me this questionnaire and I had to fill out all this information, like what our special dances were and what the bridal party entrance music is going to be and who is in the bridal party and other sorts of things. Like, is there going to be bouquet toss or cake cutting or, you know, itinerary type stuff. And then at the very end, it was like, is there anything else that you want to include? And so I wrote last song, don't stop believing I will sing the first verse. If possible, but I will sing the first verse because if I sing any more than that, or if I sing earlier in the, I almost said show, wedding, <laughs> my my wedding, people will ask me to continue to sing, which is very sweet. But as the bride, <laughs> you want to have fun. You Yeah. So that was totally intentionally planned. So you just said that you had performed with this band before. Yes. Do you gig on the side? Yes. What do you gig on the side? Wedding band, yeah. <laughs> top 40s type things. Do you do that 
intentionally because that's not the kind of music that you do at work. Yes, it's a nice, it's something that I feel comfortable in and confident with. And it's cool being able to express versatility in different ways. And yeah, it's, I don't want to say escape. I don't want to say that it's escape, but it's nice to be able to have something to come back to. Have you ever done a military wedding? Yes, you have, but not the same branch of the military that you are? No, not as a military performer. performer. So you didn't have to wear a uniform? Correct. Oh. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Because that was going to be my next question. Did you have to wear a uniform? Yeah. I like your uniform. It's very nice. <laughs> Thank you. Okay, so you gig on the side. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it, it, it all depends on the military schedule, because obviously that right job obviously is the and also like wedding season is kind of like a season Mm -hmm. right like it tends to happen in the nicer weather and Mm -hmm. stuff like that and you're the only vocalist for your band yes in the jazz band yes Mm -hmm. because there are other kinds of bands yes yeah and you've sung with some of those other kinds yes yes i have yes it's cool when there's crossover like that it's another yeah you get to meet other people and you get to sing other kinds of music and again it comes back to being eclectic and having the versatility and being able to collaborate with different like you said people so i don't think we came up with something you don't like about being a professional singer oh right that was that was that was the original (laughs) question oh man it's there are some days where something happens and you don't necessarily want to leave bed, let alone put on a uniform and have to feign interest because sometimes life throws you a curveball and it knocks the wind out of you. But in that same vein, it's nice to have something to concentrate your focus on so that you're not completely devastated or completely overtaken by it. Okay, no vague. I recently suffered a loss in the family Mm -hmm. and work was very kind enough to be able to give me time off to be with my loved ones during that time. Mm -hmm. And when I found out, however, it was right before it was while I was on a work trip for our national tour. And then I had to immediately do a concert when I got back. And so when I was singing, it was nice because I was able to just focus on the job and do music. And it's something that I love. And to be able to take myself out of this really devastating loss and just sort of be there for the people that were there to enjoy the concert and just let that be that. But then as I was sitting backstage, the next song came on and it was a solo trombone feature of Frank Sinatra's In the Wee Small Hours of the Morning. And it was really beautiful. And I don't know if you're familiar with the lyrics, but it's in the wee small hours of the morning. While the whole wide world is fast asleep, you lie awake and think about the girl, and never ever think of counting sheep. When your lonely heart has learned its lesson, you'll be near if only she would call. In the wee small hours of the morning, that's the time you miss her most. And just knowing the lyrics and remembering the person that I lost, it was, that was probably, that's probably sometimes the hardest thing when you're a performer. Because that is a person, like you talked earlier about 
always being into that kind of music because of the kind of movies you watch and stuff. And like that person was attached to those memories. So now you get to share that love that that person gave you with lots of other people. But it also means that you're thinking about that person a lot when you're working. Right. And it's where those words just come a little too close to home. I getcha. I really do. So it's both a release and an escape, but also just hits too close to home sometimes. Mm -hmm. Theoretically, assuming you don't do something... (laughs) horrible, right? And get thrown out of the military, right? which you would never do. Um, You'll have this job for a long time. Mm -hmm. As long as you'll have me. And as long as you want to do it. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Any job, you could just be like, you know what? I don't want to do this anymore. And I'm going to become an astronaut. Right. Or a fire truck. Or a fire truck. Or something else. Oh, God willing. <laughs> so if you could go back and tell, maybe not the fire truck little girl, she was maybe <laughs> too small. She was a bit wild. But smaller Christine, that this is what you were going to do with your life, what do you think she would say? Oh, she would say, are you high? <laughs> In what universe? Nah, baby, Broadway or bust. Nah, she, she, well, I think that she would completely just, she wouldn't believe me. I I could be like, I'm you. And she'd be like, yeah, right. Why are you wearing a military uniform? Yeah. Oh, another one of my brethren. (laughs) That I'm leaving in. That's really good. If you met somebody who was considering joining the military to play music, what would you tell them? So through you, I have met a lot of people who are musicians in the military. Your husband was a musician in the military. And they're all really great and weird people. Weird in the, you know, you know how I feel about weird people. Everyone's weird. Everyone's a little bit weird. It's the people who don't appear to be weird at surface level that I'm most concerned with. No, then they're just boring. Either that or I'm like, what are you hiding? Mm -hmm. Like, how weird are you underneath all of that? Mm -hmm. You have bodies in your basement? Like, what's going on? Mm -hmm. But they're... I feel like there's lots of just different, like, people are so different. Yes. All of your friends, when we went out for your bachelorette party, just all of your friends are so, we were just talking about this earlier, are so wonderful. Like, they're fun and funny, but they're all from different walks of life. Mm -hmm. And they're having different experiences as they get older and have relationships and have babies and just do all kinds of things with their life outside of their job, their day job. Do you do anything to refill the well? Just fill your well artistically, I guess is maybe a better way to put it. I'm trying to find that. I've been spending a lot of time trying to figure that part out. And in the brainstorming process, I've, I'm in, I'm in the process of finding that satisfaction in a different way. And one of the things that I was considering was pottery, like being able to create something tangible that you could point to and be like, I made that. That came from my hands. So that's on the radar. Um, going back into learning piano to be able to comp for myself mm-hmm. and like be able to read chord changes and progressions, I think would not only benefit me in my line of work, but also would just be a fun way to express myself in a different capacity. You taught yourself to play the ukulele. Oh, yes. Yes. I haven't touched it in a while, though. I, I need to get back into it. But yeah, you're right. You're right. And I was doing some fun little ditties here and there for the IG. (laughs) For the IG. And they were just cute little verse chorus things with people who were willing to make fools of themselves 
for me and with me. <laughs> One day we'll get yes, we'll get me on there. Yes, I will speak in rhythms. It has been far too long. Mm-hmm. You can you can rap. Uh, yeah, something like that. Yeah, and I, I can tap. <laughs> I can tap too. Not while you, not while a uke though. That's not no, but I bet I could tap and rap. Ooh, mm-hmm. different rhythms. Oh, I don't know about that. Oh, I never answered your question about what I would tell someone who was considering it. What would you tell someone who was considering? I think that it's a really great opportunity. And I know that it's not for everyone, but as long as you keep an open mind and at the end of the day, you just remind yourself that first and foremost, you're being able to create music for a living when, you know, there's no such thing as a perfect scenario. There's no such thing as a perfect job. But it's just, it's a really cool opportunity. And I would highly, I would highly encourage it. I think the other thing that people don't, when you went to boot camp, Mm -hmm. I had moved home to Long Island before that. And there were a lot of people who were like, I can't believe Christine just up and joined the military. And I was like, well, she didn't just up and do anything. You're not that impulsive of a person (laughs) that you would just like, Put your life into total upheaval and often, you know. But the the thing, like, afterwards, when people would say, like, oh, Christine's in Japan now. Like, how's she doing? I just kept thinking to myself, like, but she sings. Like, there are people who think the only way to be an artist is to be a starving artist. Sure. And I take issue with that. Sure. I don't think there's anything wrong with saying I want to fully immerse myself in doing everything I can, making myself as available as possible in order to do my art. I have lots of friends who have done that, and I fully support them making that leap for themselves. But at the same time, I don't think that someone who gigs like every so often and works a day job is any less of an artist than someone who does it full time. Mm -hmm. But you found a way to your job supports you. You don't have to do other things. You do them because you want to do them, but it's not necessary for you to eat or have a place to live to do things outside of your job, which is performing. Mm -hmm. And I think that anybody who doesn't see the value in that is kind of missing the point. Mm -hmm. Right? So I feel like this is really good. Yeah, this is really interesting. It's funny, too, because when I was telling the girls at work, and they were saying like, Oh, who are you interviewing? And I was like, Oh, Christine, and they were like, Oh, man, she's gonna talk about what she does. And that's so awesome. Because I think people are just so fascinated. Because when people ask me what my friend Christine does, I always tell them she's a jazz singer. Like, that's what you do. You sing jazz and big band music. And it's not until after I start talking that I'm like, Oh, and technically, like, she's in the military. (laughs) And they're like, wait, what? You miss miss some important She sings in a uniform. Like, it's... (laughs) (laughs) Big a deal or whatever. But yeah, I'm sure there are a lot of people out there who are going to be very interested to... Because it's not two things that you think about going together. When people think of the military, they picture people with, like, big guns going off to countries they've never heard of before kind of thing and doing violent, awful things. You do the opposite of that. You put on your American military uniform and do outreach, basically, like, within your own country and when you were traveling abroad when you were stationed outside of the country. And I think that's, that's a really important way for people to view the military not just because like hey you can do creative stuff in the military but also like it's not just about like killing a bunch of people there's 
positive sides to right. what you do as well. Yeah, it's what is the buzzword? Soft force is what is what we do. And so when I was on deployment and visiting countries and singing at orphanages or elderly care facilities, we would go out on ships with the CBs and they'd be building hospitals and bridges. Mm -hmm. And so it was just a way to be able to build relationships and, you know, give give the military that positive sort of public relation-y, but mm -hmm. not even that, just like being able to show that, like you said, it's not just about war and guns and fighting and violence. Right. Well, I think we should definitely end on war and guns and fighting and violence. What about you? Chaos and bloodshed! <laughs> <laughs> great well uh thanks <laughs> for talking to me about your job singing jazz and big band in the military anytime thanks for having me i don't think there's any denying that christine and i have known each other for a very long time there was a lot of banter back and forth there so i hope that was fun for other people to listen to because it was a lot of fun for us to record if you have ideas for people you'd like me to talk to or career paths that you want to see discussed on the podcast, send me a message. You can email me, theladyjsays at gmail.com. You can get at me on Twitter at theladyjsays. And on Instagram, I am theladyjslays. There have been a couple of stories so far from podcasts that I cut for time. And I'm thinking about where I might like to put those things so that people can check them out. So if you've got any ideas for that, let me know. Make sure that you tune in next week because my guest is coming from across the pond and it was such a good conversation that I had to split it into two episodes. All right, I think it's time to go put a jazz record on. I'll be back here next week. I hope you will too.